0: Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we talk about the government's portal for sharing information about just about every active acquisition. It's called FBO. This podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. If you're frustrated with the speed of your learning curve in the government market, join the Skyway community. Visit askskyway.com to learn more. All right, let's get started with our conversation about federal business opportunities. We've mentioned FBO a lot over the years that we've been doing this podcast, but we've never really described it in much detail.
1: FBO stands for Federal Business Opportunities, and it's where the vast majority of opportunities, small contracts through large, are posted by the government. It's easy to assume that everybody knows what FBO is, However, it's still worth digging into how it works and what we do with it because it gives people context.
0: Before we give any context, let's stop and say thanks.
1: I say thanks to Mike Curry from Paratusec. hope I didn't butcher the pronunciation of his company name. We'd like to thank Mike because he's liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn, and he gave me some great feedback on one of our debriefing episodes, really specific feedback through LinkedIn. So thanks, Mike, for sharing our content because the best way for people to find this content we're giving away for free is for people like you to share it.
0: Thanks, Mike. Today we're talking about FBO, Federal Business Opportunities. Federal Business Opportunities is the government point of entry, and the way you'll hear that explained, someone will say FBO is the GPE.
1: Yeah, that's too many TLAs. What's a
0: What's a TLA? Oh, <laughs>
1: ironically, it's a three letter acronym. <laughs>
0: This explains why it's so confusing. The the, the FAR calls it BizOps. The FAR actually doesn't say F-B-O. We are going to say that to save about an hour's worth of time in this podcast. The government-wide point of entry, the GPE, per the definitions part of the FAR, FAR Part 2, means the single point where government business opportunities greater than $25,000, including synopses of proposed contract actions, solicitations, and associated information, can be accessed electronically by the public. The GPE is located at www.fedbizops.gov. So, FBO is the tool. This is how the government releases RFPs.
1: It used to be the Commerce Business Daily, the, the, the CBD, because you, you got to make an acronym out of that. <laughs> so, it, the right?
0: CBD was the GPE, <laughs> but now the GPE is FBO.
1: <laughs> it, and, and if you follow that, you're 80% successful in government contracting. But yeah, this yeah. is
0: fun. So the Co- Commerce Business Daily was actually a physically published document that was mailed out, I guess. You, you got your copy of it and had to look through it all
1: manually? Oh, boy. I think that's the reason that there was a government printing office, <laughs> just, <laughs> just to see, send out you know 50,000 copies of that every day.
0: I can't imagine how much time
1: that took. Ugh. And now it's all electronic, which makes it a whole lot easier.
0: Makes it easier, but it's still not always easy. It's important though, because the GPE, it's the means that the federal government uses to post and solicit requirements, RFPs, amendments. FBO is usually that point of entry. That's how the government communicates.
1: In other words, when you see GPE, that acronym in the FAR, what they're referring to is FedBizOps or FBO.gov.
0: Let's jump into the FAR FAR time. FBO doesn't actually appear in the FAR. It either says government point of entry, GPE, or Fed Biz ops. So from here on out today, we're just going to say FBO, and we're going to drop GPE and Fed Biz ops and CBD and as many acronyms as we can because it's already way confusing. This is most pertinent to FAR Part 5, which is publicizing contract actions. It also appears in FAR Part 7, acquisition planning, 13, Simplified Acquisition Procedures, Part 14, Sealed Bidding, Part 16, Contract Types.
1: And it also appears in places like FAR Part 35, which is Research and Development, Uh, FAR Part 19, which is Small Business Programs, and FAR Part 6, which is Competitive Requirements. And the interesting part about those three is that those are focused on communication, as in it's saying the government uses the GPE and shall share information and get information in these in the context of R&D, small business, and competitive requirements.
0: Yeah, why does it appear in so many places? It comes down to the FBO is how the government officially communicates. There's lots of other communication going on, but the official communications, the official RFP release, draft RFP release, occur through FBO.
1: Yeah, the communication process <laughs> that dropped the 80 20, 8% process, 20% relationship happens almost exclusively through FBO. Well, why is that?
0: So let me get a little deeper into the far. Not too deep. Just scrape one spoonful of dirt out of here. (laughs) 5.102 is availability of solicitations. 5.102 has about 100 paragraphs that close loopholes to prevent government contracting officers from using anything other than FBO. When when you go through it, 1021 says the contracting officer must make available through the GPE solicitations synopsized through the GPE and share data. That's the first paragraph. It says must make available through through FBO. The rest of that section closes all these loopholes to the point where almost the only way you can get out of using FBO as if the fact of your solicitation is classified or the agency's senior procurement executive makes a written determination that you don't have to use FBO. Just because you're dealing with classified information, it specifically says that doesn't mean you you can get out of using FBO. You use FBO to post the RFP and other means to share classified information or submit a classified proposal. But you still have to use FBO to release the RFP. And why is that? Because we want this to be open. Everything the government's doing is available for everyone to see.
1: When I used to buy a lot of equipment for Special Operations Command, the fact that we bought it wasn't classified. Where it went was classified, but that didn't make the contract classified. And that's a conversation we have with people sometimes, is that this is why it needs to be on FBO. Everybody knows we're buying certain things, but how they're used, where they go, who gets them, that's after contract delivery. That may be classified, but that alone is not a reason to not put it on FBO.
0: So in almost every case, if the government is buying it, you can find it on FBO. Now let's jump to the acquisition time zone conversation that we try to always have, although sometimes we forget. When you're thinking FBO, you're in the acquisition time zones. This is not during the contract execution phase. During the execution time zones, this is the market research zone and the RFP zone. This is where the government shares those draft performance work statements, or draft RFPs, or request information through the, the RFI process.
1: All of those are happening during the market research zone, and then the actual RFP and the management of all, all the amendments to the RFP is all handled through FBO during the RFP zone.
0: Let's talk about why the FBO is so important. Knowing the FBO, it is, it's the basic element of being in the government market. FBO is how RFPs are released and that tells you how to submit a proposal. If you're not familiar with FBO, you're going to have a very difficult time winning any government
1: business. It, it covers solicitations and awards, actually. The, the award announcements are supposed to be in there, too. But for now, let's just focus on the solicitations. Because it, it can be overwhelming from both government and industry perspective because it's a huge database of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of actions, notices, RFIs, RFPs, etc.
0: Yeah, I looked at it this morning, and today it says, right at the top of the page, over 33,100 active federal opportunities have been posted in the last 90 days.
1: Woo! That's a big database.
0: Let's talk about why the government cares about FBO.
1: It's how the government shares information, gets information, and, and most importantly, it's how the RFPs are posted and how we get proposals. Remember, the the purpose of a contract is to take someone who needs something and connect them with somebody who can deliver that something. That process is managed, the communication of that process is managed through FBO. And the extent to which we navigate FBO well, it can enable communication and enable this process of of awarding a contract well, or it can encumber it.
0: So like any tool, FBO is a tool, it can be used for good or evil. (laughs) Let's, Let's talk about the good side. How does using FBO well enable communication? How is it good?
1: Sharing information early and often, keeping industry in the loop and on the schedule that we're, they understand the schedule we're managing as, as a CO and then the milestones we have and even how, how we're moving through them, the progress that we're making on on keeping up with all of the different steps that are involved in a contract.
0: This is how we officially communicate these things.
1: I had one with a service contract where the schedule changed constantly because the evaluations were taking longer. Even the evaluation, they love this, the evaluation of, by lawyers and whatnot, of the evaluation criteria before the, the actual RFP was posted, as well as how long it took us to evaluate everything after the RFP was, was, was dropped and the proposals were in-house. A ways into my career, I realized the value of sharing this information because what it does is it keeps people from calling you because they want to know. Is this done yet? Is this done yet? Well, if you post on the FBO and say we're 30 days behind schedule, now they know. They may not be happy, but at least they know.
0: Right. You don't have to get an endless stream of calls and you don't have to worry about sharing information with just one and not all. Just post it. Then everyone can see it.
1: And, And another one was that we had a small business set aside notice that this is pre award. This is before we put out the RFP. And we were expecting to be able to do this as a small business set aside. And after we put out the draft RFP and told everybody in the world, this is what we expect to be able to do. We realized that the RFI responses we were getting showed that this was not a small business that is citable. Is that a word? <laughs> uh, requirement. And doing that early changed our acquisition strategy. If we'd have waited, because I'm raising my hand, I've done this the wrong way until like two weeks before, Hey, by the way, can any small businesses do this? And we're like, Nope. Oh,
0: <laughs> or if you just released the thing, let it out there and said, Hey, Small business set aside, send me your proposals in 30 days. You wait 30 days and nothing shows up. Or or worse than that, three things show up from small businesses that can't do it at all.
1: Yeah. And and the other side is when you put out something full and open and 50 small businesses say, dude, I could have done this. There's just, there's no downside to communicating early with the (laughs) point.
0: When you use FBO to enable communication, you end up getting better targeted offers. The proposals you get are from companies that have properly targeted and qualified this
1: opportunity and can actually win. What we don't want is a lot of marketing material in response to an RFI. For me, I didn't want to fight FBO because it it can be a cumbersome system to post all these attachments and pieces of of what we're trying to do and and the overall RFI and then get a response that's just effectively a, a pitch deck from somebody. Um, in retrospect, I, I probably should have added to the RFI that says responses that do not address this specific requirement will be deleted, and not reviewed. And the reason I'm a, it's a foot stomper is that I have put out requirements for specific things and gotten just you know dozens of somebody's marketing material. It was not specific to what I asked because we put in a lot of effort from the government side to, to say, here's what we want. Don't just send us back your, your flyer.
0: I think that should be a standard part of every RFI. If this doesn't actually address our requirement, we're not going to read it. It doesn't mean you won't just get marketing materials, but hopefully it will help if, if you actually don't read it. People will get tired of, of doing that. It's like you always say. You want three offers and only three offers. If you are sharing information, you're much more likely to only get offers from, from companies that can actually do the work. The opposite side of this is the the using the tool for evil. This is when FBO can actually encumber the process. How could FBO encumber your process, Kevin?
1: When I waited until the RFP was perfect. Uh, I waited until every question was answered, every rock was turned over, every contingent scenario we could possibly plan out.
0: So because the tool may feel cumbersome because you didn't want to go through some of these processes, you only want to do it once so you don't have to fight the tool like you said. You try to wait until it's perfect.
1: In addition to only wanting to do it once, it it can feel like launching Skynet, where once you hit the button and put it on FBO, it it has a life of its own. Because once I put it out to the world, the scrutiny begins. And so if we haven't looked at every scenario and looked under every rock, the mindset was, I don't want to post this yet, because then they'll start looking under the rocks.
0: Yep, somebody's going to tell you, man, that RFP, that's an ugly baby.
1: And the funny thing is, this is a good thing that industry is looking under the rocks for the government. It's, it's kind of intuitive because the, the longer we waited to get the perfect RFP out, the further we got from actually posting an RFP on FBO, which means we weren't engaging industry to tell us what things we should be changing in the RFP before it was the final version. So instead, the times that we used FBO to build through stages of sending an RFI and saying, hey, hey, world, <laughs> this is an ugly baby. We know that. It's a draft. What do you see that's obviously wrong with it? And we got feedback along the way. Then we ended up with a better RFP. We ended up, what do you call it? Um, Self, We ended up companies self-eliminating. Right. Because they realized, I can't do this. I don't want to take the time to respond to this draft RFI. Therefore, I'm not going to bother in being involved in this in this acquisition process. That's a good thing because they just self-eliminated. We were closer to getting those three proposals as opposed to 30 because Three is the sweet spot.
0: So that process reminds me of a quote, one of my favorite quotes. Perfection is a moving target. Excellence is not. I, I don't know who actually said that.
1: We need a fact checker to look it up. But the, the point is spot on is that we, if we wait for perfection, it's counterintuitive that we will not get it. And I, again, I learned that by doing it wrong.
0: Yep. This, this iterative process builds a better product. You put out something good, it gets a little better, gets a little better, gets to be great, gets to be greater, gets to be excellent. If you wait till the end, try to get that perfect RFP out, you launch this thing and you find out every company out there is confused by it and doesn't understand it. Everybody thinks it's ugly. If you use the process you're describing, Kevin, if you let out pieces of it one at a time, people will tell you your baby's ugly along the way. And eventually, you get to that end point that you're talking about where if you've really done well and you're really lucky, this gets down to where three companies think your baby is beautiful and the rest of the companies think it's ugly because it's not for them. So they don't bother bidding, and only the ones that love your baby bid.
1: As a CEO, I felt like I wasn't doing this in a vacuum. I had the lawyers look at it. I had all these different – people. I had the program manager, my boss. Everybody looked at this thing, so I wasn't doing it in a vacuum. But the one person not at the table – was industry, <laughs> and, and so it's inter- and, and so again, looking when, when the, the times that we said industry should be at the table, here's what happened. And, you know, people ask for the CEO's perspective. Here's a great example of, of of why this is so important. When the lawyer said you can't do it this way, and then I put that out to industry, and industry said we have to do it this way. All of a sudden, that conversation is happening before the RFP went out. And I can think of a, of a time that I did that wrong, <laughs> and, and that's what nobody bid because they couldn't do it that way. Right. So, but, but this is what I mean by when you do it in a vacuum, a government-centric vacuum, which, again, you feel like there's a team on the government side. So it's not like the, the CEO is doing this themselves. It's not like the program manager is off in the corner. Everybody's working on it, but industry has got to be at the table. Industry has got to be in that discussion somehow, and FBO is the easiest way to get them at the table.
0: I want to go back to the point. When we were talking about how FBO can enable conversation, you mentioned specificity. A lack of specificity actually can encumber the process on FBO. If you just put out an RFI that asks in general terms for information, you're going to get a lot of those pitch decks, a lot of that marketing material that you're talking about, a lot of people guessing and submitting information that doesn't actually solve your needs or – you're not going to get a lot at all because it takes time and effort for industry to write responses, to submit an RFI. And if if, they, if they're they not sure what you're even talking about, they may not take effort to do it. You, they may just launch that marketing material at you. They may send you a flyer, but you're not going to get useful information. The more specificity you put in the FBO post, the more worthwhile the results are, are going to be. It it makes the hassle of, of posting on F, FBO worth it. If you stay specific, we've been talking government side. Let's flip to why industry cares.
1: FBO is where the work is. Let me caveat that. It's rarely where you're going to find brand new opportunities. If the FBO posting is the first time you've ever heard of an opportunity, probably not a good fit because you probably don't have context. But regardless, that's where the opportunities are.
0: It's funny. You said it's rarely where brand new opportunities are. If you're not targeting and qualifying opportunities, then it's not rare at all. Everything on FBO is a brand new opportunity to you. I think what you're trying to say, (laughs) another way to say it is it should be rare for you to find a brand new opportunity that actually fits your company's capabilities that you can win on FBO. It should be rare for you to be surprised. If you are surprised by something, even if it does fit your capabilities and you could win... You probably won't, because, like you said, you don't have context, and you're probably too late.
1: And keep in mind that FBO is for acquisitions worth twenty five thousand dollars and up. So there are lots of things the government buys that are worth less than twenty five thousand dollars that are commodities that are just bought through other means that don't even show up on FBO. So that's what we mean. It's like we're, this. This is where contract for larger contracts, potentially more, potentially very complex, but even simpler stuff. But the point is that there, there is a lot of stuff on here that you need to make sure that you know what you're looking for. Knowing how
0: to use that tool to tag and track and search for information is useful. But surfing FBO isn't the best use of your time to find things that you can
1: actually win. There are tools actually out there that automate this anyway. So if you have a subscription service, which they, they save you time, so they may be worth it for you. But there's, understand this is where they're pulling from.
0: Right. There's no other database. All of those tools are sucking up information from FBO and chopping it down into things that you might care about. So it it can save you time and energy. One last thing from the industry side industry looks for awards on FBO as well. We said we were talking mostly about the solicitation side on this episode. Industry looks for who, who won this on FBO, it should be posted. But it's not always posted in a timely manner. So government side, remember, this is important to industry. They, they need to know that they lost if it's over with that, because they need to move on to the next opportunity.
1: It may not feel important to the government side, but it really is important to the industry side to close the loop and say this contract was awarded to X company. And this, this process that may have started with an RFI or whatever is now officially done. Next
0: Yep. Then we can all move on, not waste time worrying about or thinking about things that that are already awarded. All right, Kevin, let's wrap this up.
1: FBO is the system we have. You have to know it. So you may as well know it well. It's so big. What what did you mention? (laughs) 33,000. There were 33,000 opportunities that are on there right now, right? That number is so big that it's not practical to make it user-friendly for one industry, one government office, whatever. I mean, don't expect it to be easy because it's got to be a homogenized solution. But that's one of the things that my company actually helps people with is understanding how to navigate and interpret the myriad of stuff that's on FBO. So if you want some help with that, go to askskyway.com and we'll schedule a time to talk. But searching FBO, like what you call it, browsing? Browsing through FBO for an opportunity is one thing, but you don't want to be searching for any opportunity. So if you're just searching around for something that you can bid on, which is any opportunity, that's a, it's a time vampire. But looking on there for the opportunity or an opportunity with the agency that you're targeting, that's a a very effective way to use FBO because it's going to be on there most of the time.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to note this is used by every branch of the federal government to buy everything. It's like you said, it's not going to be super user friendly because of All the range of things. There's not just a DOD FBO. There's not just a Department of the Interior FBO. It's everything. It makes it difficult. I don't know if we describe this specifically, but what you're saying with searching FBO for an opportunity versus any opportunity, you should know if you've been targeting and qualifying opportunities and you've been having communications with the government offices that are looking to buy what you sell. You should know that an RFP is about to come out. So the day it comes out, you pull up FBO and you search specifically for that RFP, an opportunity. If you're just trolling for any opportunity, they probably aren't for you because other companies have been communicating with the government offices. And what shows up as any opportunity to you is an opportunity to them. And that means they're probably going to win, not you.
1: I want to expand on a point you just made about how FBO applies to every government agency from a government, being a government contractor. Think about the value of your expanding number of customers. As you grow your business as a government contractor, all of those customers in the entire federal government, as you continue to expand your business, all use the same platform to post their solicitations. I don't think there's another industry that can say that understanding FBO and how it applies to everybody. It's just as important as understanding how the FAR applies to everybody, which is why we should stop now because there's just so much more. To understand.
0: <laughs> if we keep going down that path, we'll be talking forever. So, right. Let's cut it now. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you need help understanding the federal government acquisition world, just visit AskSkyway.com to learn more.
1: On one hand, it's safe to assume that our listeners know what it is because if you're in the government market, you know. Uh, However, it's worth digging into it to give some context on how both sides use it.
0: All right, so I'm still still torn by the on one hand and however because usually it's on one hand and the other hand.
1: Um, on one hand, B. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) I cleaned it up.